you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Did you know that the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant now has a provider referral list? Graduates of the course have the opportunity to be listed on our website for those looking for savvy guidance all over the U.S. and around the world. If you've been considering the course, now is the perfect time. Our fall sale is on, and as a podcast listener, you get extra savings. Go to our website, tongtieexperts.net slash procourse today and use code podcast15 to save an additional 15% off the sale price, which brings it practically half off the usual price. The link and code are in the show notes for this episode. Check it out today. There are families who need your help to navigate their feeding journeys. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Palladino, and I am here today with Lori Overland. I'm very excited to have Lori on the podcast. We've been trying to connect for a while since we, um, I was invited to be at the Talk Tools um, conference this early in the summer, and we're now recording in August, and we're finally getting together. Um, Lori Overland is a licensed speech and language pathologist, certified lactation counselor, and holds fellowships in oral facial myology as well as a neurodevelopmental certification. Lori specializes in oral sensory motor feeding therapy, oral placement, and orofacial myofunctional disorders in children. Her private practice, Alphabet Soup, focuses on infants and toddlers and preschool children with oral sensory motor feeding disorders. Lori provides international consults as well as consults to local school districts and birth to three organizations. Her goal in addressing feeding and speech challenges is to improve the quality of life for both the children she, she serves and their families. Lori is a member of the Talk Tools Speakers Bureau and has lectured and presented posters across the globe, including numerous presentations at the annual convention of the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association. Lori is a member of ASHA as well as many other professional organizations and holds degrees from Hofstra University and Adelphi University. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm glad we finally were able to connect. Yeah, and Hofstra, I never I never knew that until I got your bio. I went to Hofstra. Ah, I and so, grad. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually graduate from there. I went for two years and then I decided to become a nurse and they didn't have nursing at the time. So I came home. I often joke that I went to Hofstra to meet my husband. And then oh. once I met him, I didn't have to be there anymore <laughs> because we met first day of freshman orientation and, and we're still, <laughs> and we're still together. <laughs> so, so by a degree, you got an MRS. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's funny. So, so Lori, you have a diverse background and lots of experience. Do you want to tell my audience a little bit about your journey and how you've gotten to combine you know, speech language pathology with lactation and the age group you're in. Tell us a little bit about that. So I've been in practice for 43 years. And over the 43 years, I've seen infants, toddlers, preschoolers, and school-aged children with special needs. Um, And over the last several years, probably five or six, I've taken that age group and gone down to the zero to five population. Some of it had to do with COVID and just keeping the environment clean and having enough time. And I thought, where can I make the biggest difference in the lives of children, their families? And I decided if I get them really early on, I get to mitigate those long-term feeding and you know, speech and oral facial myofunctional issues. So um, my focus is primarily on infants and toddlers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very good friend who you know well, Kathy Watson Jenna. Mm-hmm. And over the last 25 years, Kathy and I have have shared countless infants. Mm-hmm. And it started out with either me calling Kathy or Kathy calling me asking for some input and then opportunities for us to work together. I love that. I, I just want to stop and say, first of all, Kathy, for, for those of us who are IBCLCs, Kathy is like the greatest. Like she's 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 my personal hero, you know, That's as far cool. as sharing knowledge and, and the pioneer that she's been, you know, so shout out. And, and I'm not sure what the order of things is, but there is going to be a podcast episode we've already recorded with Kathy where it was, it was amazing, but you know, I I mean, I think she's like that person, you know, that, that game show, like, you know, you can call a friend. Yes. All things lactation. Um, Yes. You know, I would always call Kathy. Yeah. I didn't realize what a rock star she was until I was, um, long story about my, my grandson had some tethering and he was, you know, born in, um, a baby friendly hospital in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I met the IBCLC and, um, I was positioning my daughter-in-law and helping to get Noah to the breast. And she walked into the room and she goes, Oh, the nurse told me you were having difficulty. I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, you worked it out. And my daughter-in-law said, oh, my mother-in-law did it, which I "I can't take credit. I said, Mm -hmm. Watson Jenner is my mentor. And she was like, yeah. And and she's so humble and sweet and so giving of her time and, and expertise. It's, it's really amazing. But the, the relationship that you're describing between yourself and Kathy is a relationship that I have 
with an SLP in my area. So I love this formation of the team and we learn so much from each other. Um, but not everybody has that, the opportunity to make those connections. So, you know, what, what's your advice for either a lactation consultant or a speech language pathologist who feels like they need to know a little bit about what the other side of the team would do? Like, how, so what would you advise? My journey, so I started this journey with Kathy and our conversation was initially about children who had neuromotor issues, children with syndromes, children with tethering. It wasn't for your quote unquote typically developing or typical infant mother dyad. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I did my CLC just for knowledge base. I don't really think that gives you um, enough experience to practice, Mm -hmm. but it gives you a good knowledge base. Mm -hmm. And the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. So I love that. The more, but the more I agree, right? The more you know, the more you know you don't know. (laughs) And you know, that's happened to me at like various times in my career with NDT, it happened with my CLC, it happened. And now on my IBCLC journey, I'm back to like, I know nothing after 43 years. (laughs) But Kathy said to me, you know, why don't you at least explore the journey of being an IBCLC? Because so many lactation consultants don't know enough about the, about infants with Down Mm -hmm. syndrome, with cerebral palsy, with cleft lips and cleft palates, Mm -hmm. et cetera. She introduced me to Dr. Christina Smiley, who mm-hmm. is um, another, another famous name. <laughs> and she was one of my mentors. And through uh-huh. here, I met Beth Ivanelli, who I'm actually in the room with right now. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my journey. So, you know, as a speech pathologist, we would get children who had feeding issues. Maybe they had already transitioned from breast to bottle. Mm-hmm. And they were having difficulty getting onto purees or getting onto solid foods. But when you listen to parents' stories, even though they got adequate nutrition into their infants, those feeding issues were present from minute mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And, you know, often those feeding issues are signs of like, transition from birth issues, um, neurodevelopmental issues, structural issues, but nobody kind of connected the dots Mm -hmm. early on. And, you know, mother-infant diets are referred to IBCLCs to support the breastfeeding process, but a lot of times they're referred to us because they couldn't breastfeed. Right. So in that journey, we find out that this was a baby that wasn't able to to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got them kind of after the fact. And retrospectively, those infants and toddlers who couldn't breastfeed have long-term feeding challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to the fact that there are long-term consequences Mm -hmm. of not having been able to breastfeed. You know, let let me stop you there because I'm on this kick now of making this point that, you know, we say... There's lots of, lots of, you know, swarming around with the, the saying fed is best and we shouldn't be saying breastfeeding is best. And I keep coming back to breastfeeding is the biologic norm for life and for survival. 
And even if we choose not to breastfeed, if a baby, and that's everybody's choice, I don't feel like we should be forced, but we should understand that if a baby cannot breastfeed, that's a sign or an indication that something might be wrong somewhere with the baby. Not, it's not the mother's nipples fault. It's not the taste of her milk. It's not the fat concentration of her milk. It's not anything that the mom is doing wrong. There could be something wrong with the baby. It's so sad because yeah. I can't tell you how many mothers land up in my office saying, oh, it's my fault. He couldn't mm-hmm. breastfeed. And I like look at them and they say, well, I didn't produce enough milk. Right. One of the things Kathy Watson Jenna taught me a very long time ago is the breast are factories. Yep. Order in, order out. And so (laughs) frequently when a baby has an inefficient latch because of something that's going on, you know, either medically, structurally, um, in terms of their gut, in terms of their respiratory systems, any of those things, and they can't get to breast milk supply tanks. And if you're not working, even if I was working with, uh, you know, a mother infant dyad on what was going on. I still need that IBCLC. I still mm-hmm. need someone whose expertise is in milk production, whose mm-hmm. expertise is in, you know, the integrity of the breasts, whose expertise mm-hmm. is in, you know, positioning. And I mean, I've been lucky to have amazing mentors and I carry that with me, that information not all SLPs do. And I think mm-hmm. yeah, we do a disservice and it's not just about here and now. I mean, obviously breastfeeding is the best source of nutrition and I will echo everything you said, but just in terms of immune support and gut health and the integrity of the middle ear, so many of our low tone kids get mm-hmm. recarnotitis media Mm-hmm. A lot better if you're not coordinating suck, swallow, breathe to have breast milk in your ears than to have formula. Right, right. Especially related to the microbiome too. There's so many right. layers of that dysfunction. Uh, so know, yeah, you mentioned also that you know that getting the baby when they're having trouble with either a bottle or purees or or solids, and I get that too. You know, I have visits that the parent will think that everything is, you know, it's been a little struggle, but they didn't really, they've never breastfed before. They thought it was all normal. And they come to me saying the baby won't take a bottle. And I'll always start with, well, let me see how the baby breastfeeds and taking the history. And when I take the history, the same thing you said, I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this mom has been struggling with this child for three or four months. And now, now, is when it's coming out because this baby can't take a bottle. Even my own grandson, well, which he's been, I, I keep saying I'm going to have a whole episode on my grandson's <laughs> journey, which has been, it's been a journey, <laughs> quite an adventure. Of course, my grandson had all the things, but um, he, he was able to breastfeed. He had a significant tie, tongue tie, lip tie, which was his lip tie caused more of the problems, believe it or not, than the, than the tongue tie very high palate, uh, lots of torticollis and malpositioning because of a position he was in. And he could nurse. He caused pain, but he was able to transfer milk. And of course, I got my daughter's supply, supported her supply, but he could not take a bottle. He couldn't even suck on a pacifier. He would not suck on my finger, couldn't suck on a pacifier. And I said to my daughter, good thing you wanted to breastfeed 
because this kid would have been a two baby. Yeah. I see that all the time, Lisa. Mm -hmm. People think not being able to breastfeed is the red flag. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, breastfeeding is a diet and every mom is different. Um, And there are moms who their nipple comes out of the baby's mouth and I'm like, okay, I'm in pain looking at that nipple. Right. Mom's like, you know what? I'm used to it. Or, you know, their breasts are like torn apart, Mm -hmm. you know, so everyone's pain level is different Mm -hmm. and everyone's determination is different. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are moms who are like, I am going to breastfeed this baby. The other thing that you need to keep it, well, not you need to keep in mind, you know this, but the breast fills the mouth. Right. So if you have a baby that has a high palate that has tethering and cannot stabilize the bottle nipple or the bottle teat, sometimes that's a lot more challenging. And when babies do draw milk from a bottle, a lot of times they're using a compression release. If you listen to them swallow, it's like they're being waterboarded. It's yep. scary mm-hmm. to listen to that. So for a lot of babies, they're feeding all day long. They mm-hmm. never empty the breast. There's a lot of compensations going on. They're only on the nipple. They have none of the areola or the breast mm-hmm. in their mouths. And they might be on the breast all day long and they still might not be getting enough. Right. Be- right. So I, I talk about it like the hors d'oeuvre <laughs> syndrome. You ever go to a wedding where they only pass hors d'oeuvres and they right. never, you never sit down to a meal and you're starving when you leave, even though you ate all, right. all day? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that. I mean, one of the great things that Christina Smiley taught me was a milkshake. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the moms I work with, with babies who have Down syndrome or have other chromosomal abnormalities or have really low muscle tone, um, that's really important mm-hmm. because, you know, those are your babies that fall asleep at the breast. Those are your babies that never empty the breast. I have moms doing hand expression, you know, sometimes in the beginning, sometimes throughout the feed because mm-hmm. they have compromised motor skills. Mm-hmm. But depending on the dyad, that sometimes works and bottle feeding doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Typically developing babies who have no motor issues, they may have a really strong preference for the breast, but they usually figure out if it's a working mom and they have to take a bottle, they usually figure out how to do both. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, people go, oh, once he's on a bottle, he'll never go back to the breast. Oh, that's not true. Not, that's not true for mm-hmm. your typically developing mm-hmm. babies. It's true for a baby who is so frustrated at the breast and can't latch mm-hmm. anything with the bottle. I mean, I right. have tons of videos of babies who couldn't bottle feed, mm-hmm. but yeah, you yeah. know, breastfed with lots of compensation. Right, right. When I began to work in this field, I quickly realized that school didn't teach me enough about tongue tie. I wanted the opportunity to learn firsthand from an experienced professional. I had so many questions. Can you relate? Good news. I've created the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant just for you. You'll get four recorded video modules, downloads to share with your patients, admission to a thriving multidisciplinary community for networking, sharing, and continued learning, and four LSERPs. All the details are on the website 
at tonguetieexperts.net slash pro course. Use code podcast15 to save 15% off this and all of my courses. Can't wait to see you in the group. Yeah, and um, as a lactation consultant, I, you know, it's in my scope to take care of the transition to bottle, but I often refer them to my SLP friends because I'm not, and this is one of, one of the things that I think is important to say, unless you've had specialized training in oral motor, I don't know what I'm assessing for other than the tongue. You know, I know basic skills of what the tongue is supposed to feel like on my finger and, you know, exception. Right. Right. You know, and even when Kathy and I first started working together, I think she would tell you, like, I'm very specific about what muscle, about a task Mm -hmm. analysis of muscles in the baby's mouth and what they are using Mm -hmm. um, in order to transfer milk. Um, whether it's the breast or the bottle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things we don't learn as, as speech pathologists or a lot of things that are not specifically in our scope. And I think, you know, as IBCLCs, I think that there's so many things you bring to the table, but I think our expertise in the oral musculature of the baby, and not just the oral musculature. I'm an NDT certified speech pathologist. Mm-hmm. What you see in the body is what you get in the mouth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you come, sometimes it's an, an OT IBCLC team. Sometimes it's an SLP IBCLC team. But it's being able to look at children who have neuromotor issues and, you know, make adapt adaptive positioning for them. Kathy and I actually did a presentation for talk tools mm-hmm. on this, but adaptive mm-hmm. positioning for, for children who have neuromotor um, mm-hmm. issues so that they could be at the breast. And the sad thing about that, and this is really why what piqued my interest is not that every child shouldn't be at the breast. They absolutely should. But some of the infants that I work with who have compromised immune systems, who have, you know, neuromotor issues, they need breastfeeding. I'm going to use the word more, but you know what I mean? They need yeah, as yeah. much, not more than your quote unquote, typically developing baby. And mm-hmm. there's so many things that you get from breastfeeding in terms of the oral musculature, the breast, right. the palate. And right. for our right. babies who have you know, high palatal vaults because of tethering or because of low muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Um, my children with a diagnosis of Down syndrome, it makes such a big difference if they are breastfed. Right. And, you know, it influences the floor of the sinuses. And if mm-hmm. you think about how many children with a diagnosis of Down syndrome are in an open mouth posture because they can't breathe through their, you know, their noses. Mm -hmm. Um, And think about resting tongue position of not only babies who have tethered oral tissue, but babies who have neuromotor issues. A Mm -hmm. lot of your low tone babies are here. And some of them also have have lip and tongue ties. Right, right. Um, But, you know, breastfeeding encourages a more normalized tongue position. And it supports lingual mobility and it supports facial growth. I mean, there's there's actually a great article 
One of the other things I love about Kathy is if you ask her a question, she can tell you the day it was published, who published <laughs> the article. Um, and I can't do that, but I'm going to tell right. you a great article on the impact of breastfeeding on mastication. Yes. So I've seen that for, for sure. my colleagues who um, don't know how important they're like, oh, they got adequate nutrition at the bottle. And I agree. Feed the baby. And yes. The baby you have to. Yes, of course. Nutrition. But if I can keep, if I can work with an IBCLC and work on supplementing at the breast with the goal of getting that baby to the breast, even if it's only for dessert, as Beth mm-hmm. and would say, mm-hmm. um, I want to get them to the breast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, absolutely. Fill up, can. fill up that mouth with the breast and form the mouth and the whole oral complex, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I'm thinking of. You know, sometimes I feel like getting back to we don't know what we don't know, right? I had somebody message me, someone who's taken my professional course, who's an OT, and she's a wonderful OT, and she was called for a friend of a friend. Don't you love these? A friend of my friend of my friend (laughs) had a baby, and the baby is in the NICU, and the baby has some kind of low-tone diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and she's she's not transferring a lot. And blah, blah, blah. There's a whole a whole story. And I'm just like, wait, stop there. She just was looking for a referral. Who do I know that does what I do where she is? And my first answer was, well, you don't know. You don't need me. You need an SLP who understands first, understands. Because when I, I hope things are different now, because I've been out of the hospital now. Oh, my goodness. Eight, almost eight years, right? But when I was in the hospital... The NICU, the SLPs that came to the NICU, the only way they evaluated the baby was with a bottle. Right. They didn't even look. They didn't want. They didn't want to see a breast. They were like, oh, I don't want to. You know, the, that's not my thing. I, um, I mean, I think it's different for some SLPs. Yeah. What you're saying in the hospitals is probably still true. Kathy and I just did a presentation for the IBCLCs. Um, sorry, not Kathy, Beth and I just did a presentation uh-huh. for the IBCLCs at Danbury Hospital in Connecticut. And that's based essentially what they were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was always like, that's why I didn't have a good relationship with any SLPs because anyone that I saw who was an SLP, first of all, when they saw me coming, they were like, oh no, here's Lisa. You know, she's, she's the, like they had, they didn't have such nice words for me. Let's put it that way. Cause it was, it was basically a bottle feeding culture that I was working in, even when it shouldn't have been, it was, it was too late of a date to still be a bottle feeding culture, but it, but it was. And I'd say, and they would say, well, the baby's, you know, passes to go home, I'm like, but the baby's hasn't fed at the breast yet. Well, the baby takes a bottle, like signed off on swallow. The baby took a bottle, end of story. You know, so I think there needs to be more collaboration. But my point was getting back to this referral question was I am able to recognize that I wouldn't want to be the first line for this baby. I want an SLP who's a feeding therapist. So I think we need to do it together. Yeah. When and I have testimonials from parents who have have worked with Beth and I mm-hmm. together who say, I don't even understand how you could do this. Now, obviously, for years, I referred to IVCLCs and got referrals from <clears throat> IVCLCs. So when, you know, the IVCLCs in this area, if they had a baby that was really premature, I 
lately, I don't know about you, but there's a lot more 24, 25, 26, mm-hmm. 27 weekers. Mm-hmm. Um, babies with respiratory issues, babies with severe gut issues, babies who had been intubated. Um, you know, your babies who have these bizarre syndromes, you're like, I've been practiced for 43 years. I have no idea what that syndrome is. Right, um, right. You know, delivery complications. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of those. There's so like, much birth trauma now. Birth trauma, right, things. I mean, so often like those are our babies that I will see in conjunction right. with an IBCLC. I mean, my babies who have tone issues. And, you know, when you're talking about the whole area of tethered oral tissue, it's not just us. I mean, we it's us and a craniosacral therapist mm-hmm. because so many of our kids have plagiocephaly. They have asymmetry. Mm-hmm. If you have asymmetry in your hips, in your shoulders, in your neck, you're going to have it in your jaw, in mm-hmm. your lips, in your cheeks, in your tongue. That's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. Figuring out where that asymmetry is coming from is mm-hmm. really you know, the challenge. Our babies with torticollis, I mean, so often they have, you know, tethering, but so often it influences the entire oral musculature. Mm-hmm. I still need to be co-treating. It's right. not my within my scope to look at breast distress. Right. It's not within my scope to help moms maintain their milk supply. Um, certainly, I've learned a ton about light touch and a milkshake and self-expression <laughs> because I've worked with amazing IBCLCs, but that's not my piece of the puzzle or right. my, my colleagues who are speech language pathologists. Right. Um, that's the part of the, you know, the piece of the puzzle that I want to be in the room with an IBCLC. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we play off of each other. I mean, I'm... I'm looking at some things in the baby. They're looking at the mom. We're looking at the interaction together. And, you know, Beth and I, we just have this thing. Listen first. Mm-hmm. I mean, so often professionals walk into a room and all they want to do is talk. Mm-hmm. And on a podcast, that's great. In a room with a dyad, that's not great. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more we listen, the better off we Absolutely. I start off every consult with, tell me your story. Tell me your story. Yep. Tell me your story. And and that's where the tissue box is needed because there's often times, especially in these harder cases where no one has actually ever asked how the mom felt about her birth or her pregnancy or what went on and what happened and what, you know, how she feels about it. Not just what happened, you know, I was induced and I this and that and the other thing. No. How do you feel about it? How are you doing with it? I often get them after they couldn't breastfeed and somebody has convinced them they should be on a bottle. And so in addition to all of those traumas, they have the trauma of, I really wanted to breastfeed my child and I couldn't do it. And it's my fault because I didn't have enough milk to to feed my baby. Breastfeeding grief. You know, I I used to say, tell me your feeding journey until I started to work with IBCLC. Uh (laughs) I'm like, you know, tell me, tell me your birth story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're right. I mean, it's amazing what moms share because they just need to. I'm actually, as soon as I finished with you evaluating a a 12-week-old baby who was diagnosed with tethered oral tissue and the parents are struggling with the decision about whether, you know, they should have a release or Mm -hmm. not. And the mom, 
you know, in her case history form, just talked about, um, you know, the fact that she had a really hard time with the birth and that she couldn't get him skin to skin for, you know, till like two hours after. And, you know, even in the case history form, and that's not typical. Typically, mm-hmm. in the history form, you get facts. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down, you get those stories. So, yeah, she's you know, upset. She's upset and nobody's acknowledged that probably. And I think, you know, acknowledging. Yeah. So listening is number one. Yeah. And then looking. I mean, I always looked at the baby. I never really looked at the mom before I started mm-hmm. working with IBCLCs. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that you learn by just taking in mm-hmm. mom's affect. Uh, you know, that fourth right. trimester is a really mm-hmm. time, not only for babies, but for yeah. mom. And, and as you saw at my, my presentation that I did at that conference was what about mom and talking yeah. about I how much, that. how much a mom can I handle. Because it was <laughs> what, you know, the IBCLCs in my life have shared with me that, you know, I missed as an right. SP, nobody told me, <laughs> learned about, you know, how, right. mom looked, how mom felt and pre-existing mental health issues that mm-hmm. made me, you know, impacting, uh, forget about the hormones from, you know, just having given birth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's like- so much, there's so much involved in getting right. a breastfeeding relationship. But yes, I, I totally agree that in the ideal world, we would all have like a central office where we have an SLP, an IBCLC, a mental health therapist, an OT, a CST, a physical therapist. We'd all be together. And there are places that have that. Right. But that's you, not the typical. Right. And and you notice I failed to mention a, a release provider because yes. that's such a small Right. part of this. Yeah. And so many people, when I say, you know, my, oh yeah, my company's tongue tie experts, they think, oh, oh, you're one of those release all the ties people. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's about so much more than that. And yeah. It's all about function. Yep. I mean, there are, you know, Robin and I have had the opportunity to teach our two day course in tethered oral tissue mm-hmm. or groups around the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, so often when we would be live, people would come up and go, can you look at my mouth? Cause I have a tongue tie. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it used to be that if you saw something structurally, you released it. Right. Um, it's different. It's changing. Listen, I mean, I yeah. think people, you know, in 2018, when Robin and I wrote, um, functional assessment and treatment of tethered oral tissue. I think people were really more looking at structure and we said, you need to look at function and Mm -hmm. how that tethering is impacting health, how it's impacting nutrition, how it's impacting sleep and respiration and airway and feeding and speech. And, you know, that's way more important. So Mm -hmm. yes, identifying that there's a structural issue is one little piece of, mm-hmm. you know. And and for those in yeah. our listening audience who don't know, you're talking about Robin Merkel Walsh. Yes. And, and um, if you're in crime. <laughs> yeah. If anyone has the opportunity, if, you know, to either attend something live or, you know, read the book or the, the work that you to have done, you know, you offset each other so well, you know, I knew Robin before I met you, Lori, but like when I saw you two together, I was like, wow, you know, you're such a team and Robin's another speech language pathologist and totally smart and on top of her game and your talks, um, 
together and apart are so informative. Well, so, that's so, so nice yeah. Yes, that's my partner in crime. And yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And Talk Tools is a wonderful organization that I'm just, I'm just now getting um, my feet wet in that. You know, I loved, I loved being a part of that conference. Oh, good. Well, we loved having you as a part. Yeah. I love, I love speaking to speech language pathologists because I feel that the, the entry basic level of lactation is something that everyone should understand, not just lactation people. And that's why I opened my course to all professionals. I like speaking to lactation consultants because I feel like, you know, once you get through positioning and latch and looking at those, you know, compensatory, those obvious compensatory motor skills Mm -hmm. and difficulty transferring milk and coordinating suck, swallow, breathe. And, you know, looking at those babies, is it just a tired baby because they had a really traumatic birth or is there something going on? And then delving deeper and saying, what is that baby? What does the palate look like? That baby, you may palpate those fatty sucking pads, but if you see deep contractions in the triangularis muscle, guess what? They're probably not accessing Mm -hmm. those fatty sucking pads. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, looking at the shape of the tongue and whether it can support, um, you know, the breast. And so Mm -hmm. there's so many pieces of the puzzle that I love to be able to share with the people who are like on the ground level of feeding, you Mm -hmm. know, helping um, facilitate breastfeeding for Mm -hmm. a mom and baby diet. I feel like that's, it's such a big responsibility as a, it's an honor, but it's also a really big responsibility um, working with, you know, moms and infants. Yeah. And it's also a big responsibility to be aware of other members of the team and know your place and when to collaborate, when to refer. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good relationship. So I've taken enough of your time. I just want to thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you on and we'll have in the show notes, we'll have your contact information and any links to the, the, programs that you're offering now so that people can find you. Thank you so much, Lori. Good day. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.